California. But like, how do you bring that into your music, especially because, you know, rap, because hip hop is predominantly a black community, sure. is, you know, black women did hip hop. So, you know, have you, I'm just wondering if you experienced like, you know, as a Blasian, like yeah. there's a lot of actually emerging artists that are going like so has been on the media, I think recently. Yeah, for sure. And um, it's just an interesting thing. So I'm just curious, like how that, how your experience is kind of in the music industry, how has that been for you? How you feel like representing both while you're out there? For sure. I think that um, for one, this might sound like egotistical, I don't know, but I rap really well. <laughs> so I think that musicians and people who are fans of music just naturally embrace me. And then I think being Filipino and Black, it, I benefit from that because hip hop is a Black art form. Sometimes people are like, Black people are like, you know, they're very protective of it. So like, even how white people, everyone makes hip hop, right? But we still want it to be ours. What's up, Kapwatids? We're back. It's your favorite Ates, and welcome to season four. For those just tuning in, we are two Philippinex soul sisters on a decolonizing journey, currently based on Turtle Island, AKA North America, we met each other again this lifetime in a healing circle, and that's how the Babylon Bruja Book Club podcast was born. This season, we did something a little different by engaging in a series of study break conversations with honored artists, authors, and thought leaders in the Philippinex diaspora. We enjoyed connecting with Kapwa with different perspectives and viewpoints, and we're so excited to extend these conversations to you. In this episode, we connect with Swiggle Mandela about his experiences as a biracial person growing up and existing in Portland, Oregon. Swiggle is a father, performing rapper, artist, entrepreneur, and animal intuitive. Ooh. That being said, let's dive in. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Study Break. Uh, we have a special guest today. Swiggle Mandela, and we'll be diving in and talking a little bit more about what he does and all that. So, but as you know, before we dive in, we always take a moment to ground. So I'm just gonna invite y'all, if it's safe, you're listening in, um, you can close your eyes and I just invite you to connect to your breath. So, and um, as we come back into your body, I just, invite you to not think about something that happened earlier. Don't worry about what you gotta do after this. Can you just come back into this present moment? And so let's take some breaths together. So we'll breathe out, push your belly body out, belly button out. And then when you breathe out, push your belly button in. Let's try one more time. Inhale. And exhale. 
You're welcome now to breathe on your own. And as you come back into this space, um, as always, I mean, I thank the lands that we're on, knowing we can't do this work without remembering the people who were here first. So I'm actually, we're actually on the Mult, Multnomah, Multnomah. Multnomah people. And Aimee is on the mound builders of the Hopewell Adena. In Ohio, yes. In Ohio. And we thank everybody tuning in, all the forces, God, Vitala, higher power, how whatever you refer to, um, for guiding this conversation. And we officially welcome Swig into this space. So what's up, Swig? What's good? It's nice to finally meet you. For sure. I'm um, glad to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks for taking time out your day. Um, tell the people, you know, who are you, what you do? I'm Swiggle Mandela. I'm uh, I'm an artist. Um, I'm a rapper. I'm an entrepreneur. Mm. Um, I wear a lot of different hats. Yeah. Um, I make a lot of music. I like to. I love shooting music videos. I love video production in general. I have my own clothing line. Um, uh, we. I represent the family over everything. So this specific shirt says "Unfamiliar over everything." I also mm -hmm. we also do "La Familia" over everything, and um, I'm black and Filipino. Um, I'm from Portland most of my life. And uh, I'm, I'm an artist who's breaking onto the, the national scene. I have a big local following and I'm getting a lot of support right now. And uh, yeah, it's me in a nutshell. Nice, nice. You have a lot of hats. Yes, for sure, definitely. How do you manage all of them? Um, <laughs> I just try to focus uh, on specific things when I can, like, Sometimes I might just be in music video mode and I'm coming up with ideas and concepts and kind of directing the videos and just focusing on that. And then there's other times when I'm like writing and I'm like, I'm not really shooting videos right now. I'm not really recording right now. I'm just going to write. And then, you know, having once that, those processes are done, like I might write an album. So now I'm recording the album and then um I'll throw a concert because I just recorded an album mm. so it helps to kind of just do things in order you know okay the album is done so now we can do the concert and sometimes they do you know they blend like I might have to work on a concert while I'm working on the album but I just try to put my focus um where it's needed so yeah yeah, yeah. so one at a time for sure yeah even though like <clears throat> I might be doing 10 things at once. I try to like give them all attention like individually because I don't know. I don't think that humans actually like multitask. Like yeah. I can't, I don't, I can't listen to music and have a conversation with you. Oh yeah. I can't so, text and hear you. Exactly. So <laughs> our, our, we're kind of wired like that. Yeah. 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 So yeah. But I mean, it helps just have a schedule, know when I'm doing what, because uh you schedule? Well, especially yeah, I try. I you, try. One yeah. hat you forgot. Yeah. What were you doing up your up last night? Oh, of course. I'm a I'm a father. Yeah. I'm a uh, family man. I'm a yes, I'm a father, I'm a husband, I'm a son, I'm a brother. So 
is family is big as yeah. obviously as we see on the shirt yes family family over family over everything do you find that um with all of the things that you have going on especially like I can kind of relate to being like a multi-passionate creative person like being into everything how do you how do you take that concept of family over everything and kind of um weave it in with all of your creative projects and your creative passions that you do well a lot of a lot of my music has to do with my family. So mm -hmm. I have a, a song called Four Daddy Girls. It's about my daughters. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, filming filming with them, getting them on set and around yeah. and um and then sometimes, you know, because I spend obviously I have to spend time away from my family and I just have to remind myself that like it's for my family. Like yeah. I'm working for my family. So yeah, yeah. um but you know doing i try to get them involved you know we're doing if new shirts come out we do a photo shoot i might want to have you know my family involved obviously and then my brothers also make music with me so um but yeah it's it's a whole thing like you know my mom has always been supportive of, of my career and like my dad like my dad's probably gonna watch this interview <laughs> <laughs> hey dad. Yeah. Hi, dad is it uncle it's uncle right Tito? Uh, Tito? or yeah 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 yeah. can yeah, you tell yeah, us a little yeah. more about the family like because you know this is all about the bailan for sure pre-colonial history heritage so yeah where's your family from how they come into where they are now my dad was born in the philippines and my mom was born in california and obviously my mom's side was um brought here so, um, but my dad, I want to say, because my family is like mainly in Tacloban City. Okay. So, um, I know my dad's gonna watch this, so like, I hope I'm not like saying the story wrong. <laughs> but from my knowledge, he grew up a lot in Tacloban, and um, is that where Ruby's from? Yes. Yes. Shout out to Ruby. She's she's super chill. Mm -hmm. and, um, Cebu and Manila. And so my dad, my my grandpa was like a really hardworking person. He's like business savvy. He was a he was a general as well. So he did a lot for my family in the Philippines to where oh, wow. I don't want to say like we're privileged, but like we're definitely me being in the Philippines and being around my family and then seeing the poverty is like, yeah, it's, it's definitely like opposites. Like my family is fortunate. I think that's the word I'm looking for. Mm. Um, it was because my, my grandpa really did a lot and, mm -hmm. you know, so did my grandma, but uh, my dad was really serious about his education. And so he ended up going to school in Australia um, after, you know, doing well in the Philippines with his school. And then eventually had the opportunity to come to the States from Australia. And so I'm pretty sure my parents met in California. Nice. And um, my older brother was born in California. My mom had a daughter already when my parents met. So that's my, I have an older sister. And so uh, my brother was born in California. And then my parents moved up here to to Portland and that's where I was born so yeah my dad has like man, how many siblings 
there's a there's a lot of siblings. Big family. Yeah. And so yeah. um a lot of my dad's siblings moved to the States. So I have a lot of uh cousins in California and that's where I would spend a you know a lot of like got to know my Filipino side growing up was in California. Oh word. Okay. Yeah. So we'd always visit LA and um yeah, uh my grandparents would come to the States pretty often growing up. So I always knew my grandparents and we called them Nana and Tata, you know. Yeah. Uh, even on my mom's side, like we we didn't say grandpa and grandma, like she called them mother and dad. So like my whole family called her parents mother and dad. So it's kind of like the same on both sides. But um yeah, that's yeah. kind of just a short story of, of history. Your family. So you've been you've been back you've been to the Philippines? Yeah. Yeah. When was the last time you went back home? Oh man. <laughs> 2011, I want to oh, say, wow. or maybe it was maybe it was 2010. Um yeah, my dad took me. And out of my siblings, I'm the only one who's gone. So okay. I feel I feel blessed for that. I feel fortunate that my dad took me. So yeah. Yeah. You went to the Philippines before me. Where? <laughs> I went right before the pandemic. Wow. Like right before lockdown. So it was interesting. Yeah. But Word. and I went to Baracay and it was like, you really feel the archipelago. Like you gotta go on a boat. Yeah. Just, for some sure. type of jeepney. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is a lot of travel. So yeah. um <laughs> Yeah. See a boat. Like just they what did the buy any what do they call them? This, the barangays the yeah the barangays yeah <laughs> my my family's from the Visayas like southern Visayas so like the tiny ass fishing village so yeah. when I went back when I the last time I went, went back was when I was a teenager so a long time ago so we yeah. had to travel by plane and then by boat and then by bus and then one time we were just in the we were just like in the jungle the bus was just <laughs> in the jungle and I'm looking out, out the window like there is no road here like wow. are we even supposed to be here so yeah, yeah it's kind of it's wild to go back but yeah. it, it was it was life-changing for me it was, yeah it was tell went, us more yeah what do you mean i went to manila and i, I went to Tacloban, of course and cebu and i think some other islands too like because like yeah we took a boat we took a boat to cebu so i feel like there was islands I I can't even recall the probably, we but I know like you know my family is important in the Philippines, so yeah. we were like meeting with mayors and like different people, like different officials. So Mandela, right? Yeah, Mandela. that's yeah. My mom named me Mandela. Oh, that's okay, like okay. Real, yeah. But, so what's your dad's last name? My dad's last name is Cordetta. 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 Oh, that sounds yeah. important. and they don't even know like it's they thought that our last name was Spanish my family did for a long time like um we had like integrated or something and now that one of my cousins did like a DNA yeah yeah barely any Spanish in our blood like even at all so now Cordetta though like that's hella Spanish yeah Cordetta and now it's like we think that (laughs) the name was actually made up to Mm. integrate to kind of like hide who we were oh that's very interesting 
Oh, wow. I actually heard about one of my uncles, my um, a great uncle, Simeon. And my, un- my, my uncle uh, Cholo was telling me about him. And he said that he was like really tall and that, you know, for Filipino people, it's not super common. Yeah. <laughs> and he said that he was really tall and like dark skinned, like, um, oh. like, like an Indian, like from India. Interesting. He said when he first saw him, he was afraid because he had only seen, you know, Filipinos that look like us his whole life. Yeah. And then, you know, his dad is telling him like, that's your uncle. And he's yeah. like going up on a horse. And he was dark skinned and, and like he was scared of him. He never seen skin like his before. And so yeah, our family history is like a little bit clouded. Like we're not we're not exactly sure. Yeah. Wonder if he had like a the uh background, because that's like literally the black people of the Philippines. Yeah, for before sure. Colorism happened. Yeah. I digress. Um, thank yeah. you. I wanna I wanna talk more about your mom. I mean, yeah. um, you're so this is really interesting interviewing folks who are biracial. And so your experience, especially growing up in Portland, yeah. yeah. One of the logos here is keep keep Portland weird. For sure. <laughs> and that's almost like keep Portland white. <laughs> in a way. <laughs> we were just talking about this, like For sure. this, like the type of white people out here, but yeah, as a biracial artist, mm-hmm. very affluent like there's like bougie and like hippie white people out here yeah yeah, there's a mix I'm very confused it's like San Francisco adjacent I was saying but um but yeah it's like 70 percent white so (laughs) how's been your experience as a Filipino and black man out here yeah a lot of times I'd be like the only Filipino like maybe out of school you know Mm. like and if I if someone else is Filipino it's like oh you're Filipino like wow you know yeah um but also tribe for sure brown person uh (laughs) but being being black in Portland being Filipino in Portland it took a while to really connect to especially like because my dad was like you know he's all our Filipino sides in California or in the Philippines. Right, right. I didn't really connect super tough with the Filipino community here in Portland until I was like older. Mm. So I grew up really in the black community in Portland. Mm. So, um, but there's like, there's a lot of people who are black and Filipino that I, um, not a, not a lot, but more than I would have expected. I mean, even in my family, on my mom's side, her brother also was married to a Filipino woman. So I have cousins who are half Filipino. And then my cousin married uh, a Filipino man. And so my second cousins are all half Filipino. So there's a lot of like, there's a lot of Filipino on my black side too. Mm-hmm. And, um, but yeah, you know, there's like, of course you grow up in Portland and, and, it's mainly white people so you'll get just like the racism like just mm. straight up like yeah growing up I don't know if it's like some just like a white thing for the white racist people or something I don't know but like people will just drive by and just like speed up and just yell the n-word at you like oh 
for sure like just because they feel like it like yeah it would i don't know what that is on like, my window and tell you that like, you're for sure the first time the first time like well someone recently told me like they've never been called the n-word but they live in portland what or they're the or someone will ask me like people really do that around here like come on that's not happening yeah, and i'm like bro no. growing up here <laughs> literally it would say i can i could my brothers would tell you like other people will tell you literally there might be a truck behind you and you're just walking down the street finna go i don't know the store or something and they'll just be like yeah yeah let you out the car yeah. i mean we wow. lived in estacada when well, before my parents divorced we lived in a, a town called estacada and it's super country Mm-hmm. So I, yeah. I don't know if it was because my dad is Filipino yeah. that he just saw the value in land and in property. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So my grandpa was like that. So when my dad came to the States, I feel like real estate was just something he was going to be into. Mm. So when we lived in Estacada, we lived on five acres of land. So as a kid, that was like my first memories like having chickens like that's good you got pet chickens yeah my neighbors have horses um just running around no shoes yeah two years old three years old just probably fully naked just outside (laughs) in the field (laughs) grasshoppers grounded snakes um so that was this was like my first memories, but I also remember being in Estacada and my brother coming home and like asking my mom, can we cuss on here? Of course. Yeah. Oh yeah. Asking my mom like what nigger meant because mm. someone at school called him a nigger. Mm. And I don't even think the kid was being mean. Like he wasn't even trying. Yeah. Yeah. He learned that it, from somebody. Yeah, it wasn't like he right. was like, get away from me. Like you're a nigger. It was just like, you're just a nigger. casual, just super casual. Yeah. Like, oh, wow, you're a nigger. Like, there was no... Like, you're a woman, you're a man. Yeah, like, there's there wasn't we, barely any Black people at the school, you know? Like, so he saw my brother and probably was just like, wow, there's a nigger. Yeah. And my brother came home and asked my mom what that meant. And that's, this was like, I was in kindergarten. Yeah. So I, I've known <sighs> about the racism here since kindergarten. Like, yeah. I've been being educated about it like not even intentionally so and like you know white people out here there's a lot I'm not gonna say it's all white people because there's a lot of good white people out here like we talked about earlier Mm -hmm. but sometimes it's it's like they're if you're arguing with somebody they're sometimes they'll just resort to that like you're not, you're not even expecting it. You might have just been hanging out with this person like at a party or something. Or, like, you guys might have known each it's other. It's like their punchline. Like, yeah, I'm going to just like, go straight there. Once, once you cross a certain point with them. They just they just pull that card. So you're yeah. used to that. Like if, so, if there's a white, and yeah. then there's the white people who are just not like that at all out yeah. here. Like yeah. I have homies that I grew up with that would never say that shit. They'd probably beat people up for saying that shit. You know, yeah. like, you need more white allyship. With us. Yeah. yeah. So that's for sure. But yeah, you'll you'll be sometimes you might just be at your friend's house and you know you guys are partying and all of a sudden you get into a disagreement with them and their mom or their uncle is like, you why'd you invite these niggas over? It's like, yeah. yo. Wow. Well, 
And then you'll have, I have friends who are straight up tell me like, we're not going to go to my house because my dad's racist. Like, let's go. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a real friend. Yeah. You know, like, they like, you know, kind of. So there's, you from yeah, there's people like that out here that will straight up be like, you know what? Wow. I, I got to get out of my house. Like when I graduate, I have to get away from these people because they're racist and wow. I hang out with y'all. So yeah. Yeah. So that's like, what is part of the experience out here? I mean, Oregon was an exclusion state. So it was. It wasn't a state where slavery was actually like necessarily legal. It was probably legal, but it it was a state where black people couldn't even live. Oh, so wow. it wasn't Jeez. like there was this big slave trade happening up here. Mm. And that's why I feel like, you know, slavery was obviously heavy in the South, but you still have like the some of the largest black populations there. Right. So, like this was a state in the north. And it wasn't like how like Chicago, New York, right. like, even those like, you know, Ohio, those places where where Detroit, where black people were like, okay, California, we're 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 now leaving this horror story. Mm-hmm. Find somewhere else to go. Oregon wasn't necessarily one of those places because it was mm-hmm. a state. Like black people couldn't even you it was almost like how they let uh, the people from Mexico like work in San Diego, but then they right. have to like black people were allowed to work in Oregon, but you can't live there. Home. Yeah, so rude. That's you might why. Like, like okay, yeah. I I think it was I don't know. It was just like they wanted to be like a white utopia. Like they're seeing all this stuff going on in the United States. Yeah, they're trying. I think in my mind, they're trying to. They were trying to like not be as bad as the white people with slaves. Mm-hmm. And also, like we still hate you. Like <laughs> still our land. We don't want to. Ens- really not. First of all, period. Like we don't want to <laughs> enslave you, but we don't want to be around you. Yeah, but we don't want. Yeah, we don't want you around. <laughs> and so it wasn't until like 1927 that that law was changed. Wow. So there was places where black. I think black people could live in Clackamas before they were allowed to really? live in Portland. It's hella country out there. Yeah. Wow. My cousins are out there. We're just talking about that. So <laughs> and in Washington, like right there, there are people allowed to live in, in Washington. Allowed to live. Allowed. So it was like okay. little towns. Yeah. You know, in the 1900s or maybe a little bit before where black people were allowed to live outside of like certain places. But um, yeah, Portland was like reserved for white people. So I think that's why now you have yeah. so such low amounts of, even Oregon as a whole like is like 3% black, I think. So I think Oregon as a whole maybe has like 40,000 Filipinos, you know, like compared to other places, like one city could have yeah. 40,000 Filipinos. 40,000 is, that's a lot. And just thinking about how your biracial experience out here, because I wonder too if like the slave trade ship was just like, that's too north and cold. So we're just going to stop at California. But like, how do you bring that into your music, especially because, you know, rap, hip hop is predominantly a Black community. Sure. It was, you know, Black who invented hip hop. So, you know, have you, I'm just wondering if you experienced like, you know, as a Blasian, like yeah. there's a lot of actually emerging artists that are going to, like Soweetie has been on the media, I think right. recently. Yep. For sure. And um, it's just an interesting thing. I, so I'm just curious, like how that 
how your experience is kind of in the, in the music industry how has that been for you and how you feel like representing both while you're out there for sure I think that um for one this might sound like egotistical I don't know but I rap really well <laughs> so I think that musicians and people who are fans of music just naturally embrace me and then I think being Filipino and Black, it, I benefit from that because hip-hop is a Black art form. Mm-hmm. But sometimes people are like, Black people are like, you know, they're very protective of it. So like, even how mm-hmm. white people, everyone makes hip-hop, right? But we still want it to be ours. Mm. It's just like, you know, Taekwondo is Korean, I believe. I think think it's Korean. I think Taekwondo is Korean, yeah. So, but, you know, anyone can do Taekwondo. Right. When you go into a Taekwondo studio, there's going to be a Korean flag. There's going to be Korean culture. And they want it to be clear that like, this is Korean. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, like if you know rock and roll, it was started by black people, but now right. it's it was clearly like taken. Or like yeah. jazz. A lot of these art forms mm-hmm. that like, me growing up, it wasn't just common knowledge. Everyone just didn't know, like, okay, black people started rock and roll. Like growing up, people are gonna say, This is white music. <laughs> right, right. This is this is black music here, and this rock and roll is white music, but really we started that but what about filipino music for sure so like that's why it's so fascinating because you know the reason that you know i met you is because of the big flip yep if y'all haven't checked it out by now you definitely are missing out so go look it up definitely stream it support artists but yeah big flip like yeah and big flip is like that's that's me in the pot age man and i gotta give a shout out to talilo my brother talilo Markfield. You know what I'm saying? He um he's a he's a Filipino artist. Um I believe he's mixed with Irish. Um his uh but he really grew up with his Filipino side mainly. And um I met Talilo in Portland. I was hearing his name before I met him because there's not a lot of Filipinos here. And so like yeah. <laughs> yeah, everyone knows I'm Filipino and I rap. So like Anytime I'm talking, like, once he was in Portland, people on the scene would just be like, have you met Talilo yet? <laughs> I'm like, wait, who? Okay. And so different people that would book me would be like, oh, I should have booked you on the last show. I had Talilo. And so I just kept hearing his name, like, yeah. And so one day I met him. I don't even remember exactly the day we met. I just know one day I knew him. <laughs> and this was like probably a like. Recognition, like, oh, I know like people have been telling me about you you know that's how we i mean where we met we're like oh for sure you know i think we might have been on the same show if we weren't on the same show i I know one of the times he he does a lot with the community and so uh i remember going to this thing he had called cypher cure and it was like a program for just young mcs very Uh, cool anyone yeah you know any background no matter how you identify with yourself no matter how what color Mm. your skin was you could come be in cypher cure and it was for young people and people who might be you know struggling is he still doing that he has another program now i can't remember the exact uh, ascending flow 
they have a building and everything. Very cool. So he's mm-hmm. still helping the youth out with that. And so we, we kind of both do community work. So we were involved in the same circles. And eventually we started doing shows together. I started booking him or he would book me and yeah. uh, we'd see each other a lot. Oh, yeah. And so I lived in Salem, a city outside of Portland for a while. And I was out there building, like I was booking shows. I was doing a lot of stuff. And I remember one time I booked Toledo for a show out there in Salem. And we drove out there. Uh, my my wife and my kid were, were in Portland. They came to Portland because we have all our family here. And But we had a spot out in, in Salem. So me and Toledo drove out there. It was just me and him. And we're just, I don't know, just getting closer. Like we had a show the next day. I booked him out of college and he brought his recording equipment. And so we we just we just write the song that night, nice. and uh, we we wrote the song and we recorded it, and like something happened to that computer, like I don't know what happened, but the song was gone. Oh so no! The song was gone. Oh, okay. And we were just like, dang, like I, you know, we kept we still kept working and we kept doing shows together, but we didn't. This was like 2014. Uh huh. So finally, I think 2020 he was like, let's, let's do another song. Like, let's actually go to a professional studio. Mm -hmm. I have this idea. It's a song called Big Flip. I have the beat. I want to get the biggest or like most talented Pinoy artists. Not obviously you couldn't put everyone on the song because there's, there's, there's a handful of us out here. Mm -hmm. Um, And he was like, I just want to build this, this thing. And I, I, I'm going to do the video. I have a vision. And I was like, okay, let's just go do it. You know, he was like, all right, come to the studio. I'll get you some food. <laughs> um, I think we were somewhere else. I don't remember where we were when we talked about it. Some some other community event probably that we were both doing. Okay, cool. And so we go to the studio. He pulls up the beat. Or maybe he sent me the beat. And um, around that time when we did Big Flip, my cousin in the Philippines, uh, Danica, she was like on a this discovering history and mm-hmm. um pre-colonial mm-hmm. stories and mm-hmm. she was just just digging and mm-hmm. and yeah. she started sending me a bunch of stuff just like yo watch this movie mm-hmm. watch this documentary yeah. go to this youtube mm-hmm. and that's when i started learning about like datus and mm-hmm. uh, just all kinds of history and i feel like Raya and the Last Dragon was coming out at the same time. And yeah. it was a feeling of just, <laughs> just really being. You can't escape it. Filipino and indigenous, yeah. like he was writing the song, and then yeah. my cousin was sending me all this stuff, and so I was just learning, and I was even, you know, telling Talilo about some of the stuff I was learning. Like he would call me, like, "Okay, studio sessions this day," or here's the beat have you got your verse we're just touching base and i'll be like yo have you heard of what have you ever heard of a datu or raja or these different things and he'll be like what is that and he would educate me on plenty of stuff too like about you know where our, our people come from and yeah. history yes and so we would just be trading knowledge and mm. that's when i was writing my verse and i was putting in lines about rajas and datus i remember and, you and, saying that in your yeah, song yeah <laughs> Man, I was learning so much at that time and just about like just different people. And even there was this general that I learned about that my cousin had sent me uh, some stuff about in Vietnam or I don't know which 
one of the it might have been the Filipino American War, and he was sent over there, you know, to obviously cause destruction. Like he's a mm-hmm. American soldier, but he was mm-hmm. a black guy, he was a black mm-hmm. man. And when he got there and connected with the people, he like switched sides. Yeah. There's like a legend about him. I want to, I don't remember his his exact name, but I could find it like this because I I have the articles. I have the but it sounds you know, like you're like a historian. For sure. At heart. Like it's something you naturally just gravitate to yeah. and, and something you're like really interested in. I love that you and Talila were like educating each other, yeah. opening up kind of like a portal, to, like Pandora's box. And then and, you brought it to the music. And that's really important because that's one of like in this time we're in, how mass, you know, information can be spread. So I really sure. appreciate the message, you know, Talilo initiated and then you participate for you know engaging in the project and how far it's come and now it's like opened up so much more opportunity for you both to and then the, the other two artists on the song too i grew up with taryn he's oh, the, yeah, wow. to the others too yeah, yes. he's the third verse and then jr i never knew jr growing up but he cut he cuts my cousin's hair he actually works at a barbershop that's like mainly black people working there like mm. i mean and once again this might sound braggadocious i don't know but black people cut hair the best so <laughs> the fact that he's there lets me know he's like, he can cut. <laughs> and, and he yes. was cutting my cousin he was cutting my black cousin's hair so oh. it's like if you cut his hair and my cousin's hair be on point so he was better. yeah he was one day he was just like yeah i cut your cousin's hair like i'm like what For <laughs> always been connected and he he had already been a fan of mine we we may have met i meet so many people and I also smoke weed. So like, I don't always remember everyone. <laughs> I meet thousands of people. And a lot of times people are just like, a lot of times people walk up to me and they're surprised I don't remember them. And I have to let them know like, I'm, I'm bigger than you think I am. Like, I know too many people. But yeah, uh, Taryn and JR are also on the song. And yeah, Big Flip, man, it, it, it blew up. It did. Up. Um, nationally internationally very cool um it blew up on tiktok it makes sense i wouldn't i would be actually surprised it didn't take off because we're you know in this path of like remembering yeah like looking for something to represent so um you know i i just want to express how that song moved me in a way because it's like we're just like the thousands of people who are like citing and tagging y'all's track it's a representation that we're looking for because you know being brown in america is like what do we identify what do filipinos bring you know i think filipinos played like a big part in hip-hop you know like in um in new york it was like puerto ricans played a really big part in starting hip-hop and creating hip-hop and i think in california filipinos played a big role in being a part Mm. of hip-hop being you know growing the culture so i think filipinos are heavy in in the culture of hip-hop like even on my dad's side my my cousins um mike e and gabe c they're like big djs yeah like, in the hip-hop scene we're musical you yeah. know yeah we love <laughs> we love music we love yeah and the song was so the track was so anthemic it was like yes. anthem, right like it reverberated all across the country reverberated because of the like because of technology but you know that it was you know out here in Ohio even so 
you know, that resonated with me out here. And so I know that resonated with, you know, Filipinos were everywhere. Usually it's usually like, uh, okay, we're on the East coast or on the West coast, but I'm like, we're all in between two, you know? So I just love how anthemic it was. And I love, uh, there was some Philippine, there was some Kali in there. There was some Philippine martial arts in the video. So I was like, that was my favorite part. So yeah, Talilo, um, he does a lot of that too, as well. He, um, uh, what is the word for the, um, for the stick fighting? Uh, well, the, so the, the Kali or Arnis Eskrima. Yeah. I hear him say Arnis. I think Arnis. Yeah. So he, he trains people with that too. And, um, yeah, I'm forever grateful for, for bro. Like, like, Because in Portland, I've always had that following. I've always been like, and I'm not going to say like, I think so though. I've always been, it's gotten bigger and it always grows, but I've always been like one of the main artists around here that everyone knows, everyone supports me. People know that I'm one of those artists who was going to break through or or always kind of thought that. And for... Talilo to put me on his song because it's it's his record you know right it's a it really changed my life so Mm. I really I'm really grateful to yeah to bro and I I tell him a thousand times and even even like what what every time I see him I tell him I'm like you don't get it bro I need to tell you this again (laughs) well that's the power of collaboration Mm -hmm. literally you know you even being here collaborating with us and just continuing that ripple effect I think it's really important for the masses for sure we're in that space now we can't like I said earlier we can't we can't like escape our history it's re-emerging we're back you know we're out we're remembering we're remembering so much that's and it's a time for filipinos to remember to remember who we were before we were colonized before we were told who we were so that's also like i'm not surprised that track blew up too because that's what i'm saying it just resonated with all of us with all of us who are trying to remember i was i was surprised i was surprised and you know i will say that you know being american and being um biracial yeah um I wasn't sure how my verse was going to connect with people but I knew that like I was putting in all this stuff that like I didn't even know that people would know about you know and like Datu and Raja is that what you mean because I'm because like my dad didn't and my dad is like educated you know like he was not like just your average person yeah and I, you know, his wife didn't know. She's educated too. Like mm-hmm. she met her in the Philippines. And so yeah. my mom too, she was a cadet training yeah. while she was in the Philippines. So it just speaks to how deep colonialism yeah. has been embedded, like in our, in our, like, it's almost like they kind of tried to wipe us yeah. out to assimilate. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. yeah, we're just going to continue. And when I saw know. so many people like that line, People will, will like when they make their videos. They, That's they, the line. There's a lot of lines that they go to, like big nose, big lips. A lot of people do that. Like when they're making the video, they're like <laughs> yeah. big nose, big. That's like I was like a lot of videos of people doing that. Even like I'll I'll wait for it. like I'm watching a video. I'm like, are they gonna do it? And they're like, <laughs> but a lot of people do the yeah. rajas and doctors. A lot of people comment that too, like ooh that line. And so yeah. I was, 
just the way you said it, it was just very powerful. I mean, yeah. the track is powerful in itself, but it was just like, oh, For it was sure. like activation. Because those yeah. words are activating anyway. Activation, that's what it is. Like, also, when we started this podcast, a lot of our family didn't understand what Babylon was, you know, yeah. who the Babylon were for pre-colonial people and why we were using the word bruja with an yep. H to like reclaim some sort of spirituality that was yanked from us, right? Yeah. Or, or put onto it, us. What's, what's the history behind, behind bruja? Cause I, I've heard that just like in um, different artists have, I've heard like uh, some Puerto Rican artists I've heard say I've heard like some yeah. Spanish artists but yeah. I didn't know that like the Filipino history well so bruja is usually you think of brujaria right so brujaria is with a j b-r-u-j-h but yeah. and you know uh, our language is very heavily influenced by Spanish sure. right but so the so bruja is witch right witchcraft so yeah. our babaylan were considered witches they were because they were the we were women and also trans folk who were uh, our spiritual leaders and like doing healing, speaking to our ancestors, et cetera, et cetera. So when the colonizers came over with Christianity, basically Catholicism, they deemed that as witchcraft. So because they're Spanish, bruja. You see what I'm saying? So it's all about reclaiming. There's a lot of Filipinas who take the who take bruja, but they stay as a as an ident a spiritual identity, but they do it with an H. So yeah. we're not respect to brujaria because that is a whole other like spirituality and religion. So respect to what they're doing, but bruja is kind Ooh. of what the Spanish told told the Babylon we were told women who that's who you are is you're evil, you're a witch, you're a bruja, right? So we're just kind of trying to take that back. Definitely. Yeah. So that's that's the origin of that. So Babylons and Datus and Rajas, they were all hanging out at the same time. Yeah, yeah. you had the chief, you had the medicines, yeah. the people, you had, it was all a village, like, you know, running around, yeah, three years old, playing with chickens. Were. I think and I would have been <laughs> all three. It was probably what you were doing your past life, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah man. Yeah different reality you know yeah and i'm i'm very spiritual like tell us about your rituals the rituals that you okay do. well there's the, i i think this i think this was a ritual <laughs> growing <laughs> up i went to this camp called caldera and caldera was for youth that were maybe um in poverty um youth that were mm. Asian, Black, Native, I mean, Indigenous, uh, Mexican, and I mean, we live in Oregon, so there was, there's some poor white people too, and when I went to camp, I, I'm thinking like, this is just like, you know, outdoor school, that's what it felt like, you know, Yeah. but at the same time, it was more, because we were learning African drums, we we're learning photography, mm. horses, it's in nature, so like, it's mm, yeah beautiful. and um mm. I, I met some of my best friends there you know I have a Haitian best friend that I met there mm. uh, my my native <clears throat> my native sister I met there and um you know we'd be uh basically it's like an arts camp and I didn't know 
the founder of the arts camp was like this like really profound mm -hmm. creative genius because mm -hmm. when you just make up a name mm -hmm. it's kind of like just it's that it's and it's like spiritual as well that like you can name yourself so everyone would just have their own name i think growing up i had i was like young l and hyphy and all these crazy names and at one point i just like no one knew my name was mandela growing up because my first name is bo mandela i think it's like filipino that like all my siblings have two names <laughs> yeah that's filipino bo mandela, my older brother is jonathan conrad my little brother is timothy john and so two names. yeah we all have two <laughs> so names. filipino yeah <laughs> both my daughter two of my daughters have two names too <laughs> ah, yes um but you name you name yourself and then one year no one knew my name was Mandela so I got away with that being my camp name because you can't like have your real name as your camp name but the guy who started the camp we just call him Papa Bear and he was like an old white guy and I didn't think anything of it I just thought he was like you know the guy who started the camp mm -hmm. turns out his name was Dan Wyden and there's a company here in Portland called Wyden and Kennedy they're like the biggest advertisement agency on like this oh, side of the country okay. one of them and you know the biggest advertisers come from California and New York so a lot of people didn't think it was gonna be able to work here but he did commercials for nike that's like one of his big things because nike was started here too and then coca-cola so, so he's he a white like, man with money yeah billions and so he created like he a created camp this thing center and and it was almost like he had a really good heart because like who does that you know like it was he saw that like we were all struggling just period just people of color he was like yeah. there's something happening here mm -hmm. and i'm rich and i need to do something about it so, so a little allyship there yeah. mm -hmm. let me just spread my opportunity yeah. that i've already advantaged that and he so actually can... passed away this year so oh. rest in peace that's like changed my life i was one of my teachers but at camp they had this treat and it this was like a trust exercise um and it's it's like spiritual and you would climb the tree it was a pretty tall tree and they had like state-of-the-art harnesses and ladder and all this stuff and you can climb the tree as far as you want and then we would have like a fabric that we created because like you know they would teach you all types of sewing of creating fabric all so we will all create like a piece of fabric you learned how to sew yeah for sure oh what see so, he might be more filipino <laughs> and <laughs> so and so we had like, this fabric and when you climb the dream tree you don't have to go all the way to the top dream dream tree a dream tree yep so at the top of the dream tree there's actually a platform and there's a bar and you can jump and try to grab this bar and like you have state-of-the-art harnesses and all your friends are holding you and it's like something that you're learning about and it's something about giving intentions it's something about trust mm. and it's something about like it's a release it's all these things so when i first climbed the dream tree i only climbed up to a certain point on the ladder yeah tension on there and i didn't want to say that i wanted to be famous i didn't want to say that i wanted to be a rapper like and I knew it and they and I was t telling people like I don't really have an intention or maybe they told us like you don't have to say your intention out loud but a lot of people did like they go up and they tie their thing on wherever they might go all the way to the top they might jump off or stop wherever and you know I want to be a doctor I want to be more respectful to my parents I want to get better grades mm -hmm. whatever and so you just make an intention every year wow so I would always know my intention was to be famous and to be a rapper <laughs> And so I would never say it year after year. Oh. I would just tie my thing on and somehow get away with not saying it. 
And I remember when I first climbed to the top of the dream tree and I looked down and it was like so high up and I was like, oh shit. You know, you know, like I'm just in middle school or something. I'm not supposed to be cussing, but I couldn't even help it. And I tied my attention up there and I still didn't say it. And I slid off. Like I sat down on the platform and slid off. Even though like you're a thousand percent safe, like you can jump, like, but it's still just learning to trust. You know, all of them and shit like that. So like, this was like a real exercise that they like had experts come up with, you know, like, and so <clears throat> one year I finally was like, okay, I'm going to tell people what I want. Like, cause I was in the program from middle school to high school and you age out okay. in high school. Yeah. 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 It was like my last year. <clears throat> I, I was like, this year I'm gonna say it like I I'm just I've been performing at camp I had shot my first music videos at camp oh, wow. I was essentially like what I am now in just that small community at camp it was uh. like like everyone knew I made music everyone was expecting my music video you're there for 10 days it was like a fantasy and so I had my fabric and I was like I'm gonna tie my fabric onto the bar like I want to jump and so I'd be jumping like and not and just be like this far from the bar. And I just kept. And then at some point, like when you do the training, I mean, when you do the exercise, they have all of your camp, you know, like hold the, the, uh, the rope. But there's someone there who's trained who can do it themselves. Like you don't need 10 kids to. Yeah. yeah. One person knows how to do it. They're trained in this. So I didn't get the bar when it was, you know, my time to, to jump with, with all my campmates there. I missed the bar. And so I'm telling everyone, like, I'm not tying it on there, like, unless I can get the bar. So everyone doesn't get to know my intention yet. <laughs> and so I would go just with the teacher, like, at lunch. Like, yeah. I want to go jump. Like, I, I want to get that bar. So I'd be jumping over and over again until I was out of breath and I couldn't reach it. Yeah. And so... I was like, I'm not even going to, cause I, I wanted to, I wanted to be on that bar or nothing at all. And so I'm like, I'm not even going to tie it up there. I want to tie it in the meadow. And like a caldera is when a, a mountain implodes. Again, when it's a volcano, when it explodes. Oh. And it is huge lake. And it's like, like one of the biggest lakes in Oregon. And so the property is on that lake. And so there's a ridge where the caldera was created, you know? So there's like, you can hike up the ridge and around the mm -hmm. caldera. And then eventually there's a meadow because mm -hmm. the land dips. Mm. And the meadow is one of my favorite places to go because there's like hummingbirds there. And there's like, mm. a hummingbird is like really spiritual for me. Mm. And then there's all kinds of animals at Caldera. Like I've seen deer, I've seen, you know, lizards. And every year there's like different animals. And this year there was so many animals, like wow. birds that were chasing each other, almost like, like Looney Tunes or something. And there was a big one and a little one. And the big one's always chasing the little one or the little one's always chasing the big one. They didn't even fly. They would just be running around all day, taking stuff from each other. And there was grasshoppers, like as big as your pinky, orange and blue. And so you're wow. full of like yeah. nature and mind. Like, and so that day you went on the dream tree, and, you and did it? You No, I decided I want to tie my intention in the meadow. And of course, everyone wasn't oh. going to be there. So I get my, my sister who's Native American. She's like one of my best friends. And I'm like, come to the meadow with me. I'm going to tie my intention there. And I tell the teacher, you should come with us too. Because I've been to the meadow plenty of times by myself, but I, yeah. apparently I'm supposed to. supposed to go with like a chaperone, a guy. <laughs> it's like not completely safe. 
And so he goes with us. And when I get to the meadow, it's like literally like what I expect. I want to see deer. I don't think there was deer there. But there was like so many moths that you could see like probably like as big as this flag. You'd see just part of the ground and they were camouflaged. So as you approach them, it would be like the ground just flew off. And pretty magical day. yeah and just all over the place the ground's just flying away and then there's gophers like going into one hole and going into the other hole like and they all knew you were going to come and damn do there this intent- so and they're like setting the, like, the stage for you the birds around our feet and there was a really big bluebird like this big and it was like majestic like the blue was That's so huge big and then there was these two other birds that looked like parrots and the guy, he knows all this stuff. He's like, those birds actually migrated from the such and such islands and they're only here like every two years. And that bluebird knows how to throw its voice and all this and that. And so- You had like a whole ass ceremony. For sure. Like. And then I went out there one year to take pictures of hummingbirds and it was really hard. They're like, so many of them, but they were like- So fast. <laughs> when I went there this time, there was so many hummingbirds, you wouldn't be able to miss them. Like if you pulled your phone out, any angle you're going to get a hummingbird there was so and there was also flowers like you know really tall flowers that had buds mm. flower so the hummingbirds you know 10 of them could eat out of this one flower yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're just everywhere they're running into you there's so many hummingbirds and i was just like wow like i love hummingbirds and they're just like flying up to my face at this point and so there's only a path and the rest is like wilderness you know the flowers are this tall you're walking in the path and I see this tree is burnt because there was a fire there. And it's like, I don't know I'm connected to this tree. I think I went out there and I've been, out, I've been on that tree by myself before, like even though I wasn't supposed to. And so I'm like, there's my tree. There's the tree. I'm going to tie it on there. <laughs> and we tell the guide to kind of stay, stay behind. It's a couple feet. And me and my sister walk up to the tree. And we have to like really walk through the wilderness to get to the tree. Mm-hmm. And so we finally get there and I pull out my fabric and I'm like, God, universe, Mm. I want to be famous. And I tie my intention on. And the hummingbirds start flying into the air. They're like connecting beaks and like spinning off into the air. They're so far into the air, they're just turning into dots. Like I no longer see them. Yeah, it sounds like hummingbirds definitely are some sort of uh, like sign for you, you know, you're seeing them all your life. That's really, that's really cool. That love and music, right? So that's really cool. Thank you for, you know, the wisdom that you've bestowed upon us today. And it's been a pleasure to just hear your story. Your dream tree. You're a great, you're a great, you're a great storyteller. Yeah. So okay. I know that, you know, we want to honor time. What is time? But we're exactly because <laughs> <laughs> we could talk for, you know, I'm sure you got a plethora of other stories, but thank you so much for coming of out. Course. Let the folks know how they can find you, reach out to you, you know. S-W-I-G-G-L-E, Mandela, like Nelson on everything. Um, Spotify, YouTube, uh, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Swiggle Mandela look me up and um i appreciate y'all having me because uh like sometimes i start telling these stories to people and they're just like what is this guy talking about (laughs) no we we yeah yeah we 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 believe you 
uh, Filipinos are very, they're, I feel like all of your titos, titas, everybody has a story like that. And that's just like inner culture, right? So before we, we do sign off all the way, I want to give a shout out to where you guys are because you have you have the plants, you got the yes, yeah. you got the flag in the background. So who's hosting you there today? On center here in Portland. Thank you, Vianihan. Yes, very supportive of the Filipino community. This that's is like- awesome. This is like our space you know like they invite us to just yeah do what we need to do here they're gonna they're opening up a, a clinic um yes, their community yes. space shout out to freddie she was very very they were very helpful yes um, everyone at the bayani yeah. center i mean ever since they I, set up the plants and the come flag, on you know <laughs> Yeah, that's amazing. We out here representing, and, and they were in the big clip music video. They were big supporters. Oh, were. Yes, they were big supporters of oh. the whole project, and they have our back 100. And I got their back. Kapwa, Kapwa, that's for sure. Well, next time maybe I can I can fly out as well. Or if we do interview part two, I can come out. We do interview part two because it's too many. It's it's a, we we gotta keep talking. We gotta yeah. Keep, Wow. Yes. Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much. And the um, Island Brujas, make sure you go and follow Swiggle Mandela on all the socials. And make sure you like and subscribe to our channel as well. <laughs> yeah, all my followers, like and subscribe. Y'all know how we do. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah, support. Share this. Support each other. All right. Thanks. Peace, everybody.